Well, the reality is, is that there's a God who cares about you. And I believe he's more interested in the intimate details of your life than you could possibly know. Uh, there's a story that, that has gone around and about Romania, it came out of Romania, uh, that supposedly, and, and I don't know how accurate this is, but supposedly there's this pastor and, and uh, he, his daughter had a cat who ended up having kittens. And so one day he goes to head out and he's got some really important appointments to go to and he walks out and hears the sound of one of the kittens and looks up and in a very small tree in his front yard, way up high, is one of the kittens. And he thought, okay, I can't leave it here. My daughter would have a fit. I just, if it gets down and gets lost and, and so he's trying to get the cat to come down, but it's up there very afraid. He shakes the tree and makes the cat more afraid. And it's not a very big tree, but it's just high enough he can't get to it. And so he starts trying to pull uh, uh, the tree down to get where he can reach the cat. But, but now it goes up a little bit higher. And no matter how far he pulls it, he's just out of reach. And he thought, I've got to get going. I've got to do something. And so he has this idea. He runs and gets a rope from the garage. He ties it as high into the tree as he can reach. He ties the other end to the, the, the bumper of his car. And he drives until the tree comes peeling down and he could easily reach the kitten. And he stops the car and he gets out. And as he's walking over, the rope comes loose and he watches the cat fly over his roof. And he's thinking, I can't tell my daughter this. And so he gets in the car and drives her and he can't find the cat. Well, he just doesn't know. He just can't bring himself to tell his daughter what happened. It's a few days later that he's walking into the supermarket that they shop at and he looks at the check stand and up comes a woman who he knows very well. She goes to his church and she's got a bag of cat food in her cart. And he's thinking, no, this can't be. And he knows she hates cats. And he walks over and says, uh, what's this? And she goes, I, I don't know if I want to talk to you. And he said, why? She goes, because I'm really mad at God right now. He said, you're mad at God. She said, yeah, you know I hate cats. He said, yeah, I know you hate cats. So, well, my daughter's been driving me crazy because your daughter has a kitten. She wants a kitten. And she's been saying, please, can I have a cat? And I thought the way out of it was to tell her, you know what? If God wants you to have a cat, he's going to have to give it to you. So you go out in the backyard and you pray. And if God gives you a cat, you can have one. She goes, I watched my daughter go out, get next to her sandbox, kneel down and start to pray. And out of the sky, a kitten lands right in the sandbox. And I'm stuck with the stupid cat. <laughs> now, here's the thing. I don't know how accurate that is, but does God do things like that? I want to tell you, after spending years and years and years with the Lord, yes, he does. I, 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 strange things happen, amazing things happen, little small things happen. That's why one of my favorite verses is in Zechariah chapter 4. Who has despised the day of the small thing? And I, I can't tell you the details of this, and maybe I shouldn't even mention it because I can't, but this week I just had one of those amazing moments. I'm sitting with someone, and I can't tell you the details because what it is is private to this person's life, but we're beginning to talk through some deep issues and some deep deep strategic changes that have to be made. And God all of a sudden did something to me and him at the same time earlier that morning and it came together and we both just go, whoa. And it had to do with a Starbucks cup. But, but God, and, and, and it literally, I think was like that culminating light goes on and we're looking at each other and going, whoa, does God do moments like that? The answer is he does. Now, what we've been talking about and we're entering into is out of Jeremiah 29, 11, where it says, God says to you and me and, and to everyone who loves him, for I know 
the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And the word plans is I know what I like to interweave in. I, I know how I want to make little girls ask questions that bring family to spiritual moments. I know how to touch a pastor who drives the car and maybe flies a kitten into the air. I, 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 I take a Starbucks cup moment and, and cause something to happen so that lives are changed in amazing ways. But God says, I don't just do little things, I do big things. I know I have plans for you. I know things I interweave into your life. But when we begin to understand this, there's some things we gotta grab hold of. Number one, we won't always know the answer to everything. And we won't always see what God is doing. Job says, I, I learned that as huge and as immense God is, he can pass by me and I don't even realize he's there. He can be doing something on my left hand and I look back and I go, it was him. God does that. But we also know that God has what we call a sovereign immutable will. We saw this last week and if you weren't with us, I'd encourage you to listen to the message and study along with it. And yet God has what we call a permissive will that's part of his sovereign will. Now, A.W. Tozier, A.W. Tozier said, what this is like, it's like being on a cruise ship. And I think this makes sense, so, so kind of think through this with me. Uh, it, it, the will of God is, is like you and I are on a cruise ship. And you know what? We can do whatever we want to do, but we're not going to change the direction of the boat. I mean, you can run back and forth on it, but it's too big and too immense. You're not even going to rock the ship. Uh, you could wish for it to change course, but the captain has predetermined the course line and a wise person would just enjoy it. But now here's the thing, on the midst of the ship with the predetermined course guided by a captain, you have lots of choices. You could choose what to eat or what not to eat. You could choose what, how, what time to get up, what time to sleep in. You could choose times to interact and fellowship moments they have with family or friends. You, you have lots of choices you can make, but you're, you're in the midst of something that is moving on a predetermined course. Now, that's what is very true of our life. And here's the question I want to ask you. Have you bought in to saying to this God who's so awesome and immense, I want to love and serve you, and I want to enjoy everything you have in life. I want to overcome. I want to gain character. I want to move with you in a way. And are you willing to, to, to receive that into your life? Uh, this is a true story. There was a man who, at least I'm told it's true, who uh, uh, his mother and father had been amazing parents. And they always put him and his sister first, and, and they made sure that he had everything he needed to succeed in life, a love of God, a love of family. They helped him in school. They were there for his schoolwork, supported him in sports. His dad was at every game he ever played. Uh, when it came time to go to college, he got a partial scholarship, but his dad, who didn't make a lot of money, and they were very kind of simple people, uh, uh, never, you know, uh, overspending. They always kept themselves in line. They sacrificed and sacrificed to put him and his sister through college. When he ended up making it, and, and now he was married, he had kids, he kept telling his wife, you know what, I just want to pay him back. I, 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 I want to bless him back. And so he decided the way to bless him back was to send him on a cruise. Initially, he wanted to send him to the Caribbean on a two-week cruise, but his mom and dad said, that's just not us. He said, well, you know what, can I at least put you on one of those four-day cruises? And, and his dad goes, oh, I don't know. And, and, and he said, you know what, he goes, the dad said, no, use the money for you and the kids. And he said, Dad, no, can I, I want to do something for you guys. And, and cruises are awesome, and they'll wait on you. It's just going to be incredible. He said, can I buy your tickets for the cruise? 
The dad finally said, yeah, we'll go and we'll enjoy it. Well, what happened is they got there and the mom and dad are looking and finally they're saying, thank you, son. I can't believe you've done this for us and, and, and we can't tell you how much we appreciate it. Well, because they were a little nervous, the cruise line actually allowed the, the husband and wife to walk with his parents onto the boat and get them settled in. And they walked and opened up the door and he had paid extra to put them in a stateroom with a balcony. And, and they're looking going, oh, this is the, the nicest place we've ever stayed. And he goes, yeah, you're gonna love this. I am so excited for you. We'll be here to pick you up. You guys just know we love you. Well, four days later, they're standing there at the dock. They're waiting for them to come out of customs, you know, and all excited about it. And out comes the mom and dad, and they're smiling. But, but something seems wrong. And when they get up to him, the son looks at his dad and says, Dad, how was it? He goes, oh, it was wonderful. He goes, there were things we saw. We saw whales. We saw, and he's going on and on being very positive. And then the son says, oh, that's good. And the dad and mom say, could, could we quickly go get something to eat? We're starving. And he said, starving coming off a cruise ship? And they said, yeah. They said, well, we got to be honest. Um, we, we looked at that menu and we thought there's nothing here we can afford. And so what we did is we, we, we loved our time, but we just pretty much had crackers and water and stayed in our cabin. I mean, the food looked good, but that's beyond our budget. In a sense that beyond your budget, it's included. And they go, what? He goes, it was included. You could have eaten anything you wanted. And they're like, oh, they'd starve for four days on crackers with amazing meals and incredible service and, and, and eating 24 hours. Have you ever been on a cruise? I mean, you know, I always look at someone going on a cruise that says I'm on a diet. I go, no. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's gluttony on the sea. And, and here's the thing, how many of us in life, right now, God is looking at you and saying, I want to give you all of this, and you go, no, I'm just going to get by with my crackers. And God goes, no, no, it's your choice whether you want to receive the life I have for you, your choice for you to experience these things. But I want to add, God says, I want to give you a chance to do it. And in the midst of God's sovereign will, you, he asked. He's, he says you have a choice in how you want to be blessed and how your life should be and how amazing it is. And, and the key is, do we get in line with him and receive the life he has for us? Well, Daniel chapter 4, we begin to watch. And this is the point today. Let me try to make this very clear. We're looking at a specific example of one man who uh, interacts between the permissive will of God and the sovereign will of God. God has determined some things that are going to happen in his life. And he has a choice whether to buy in or not. This man's name is Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was the leader of the Babylonian Empire, one of the first great empires that ever existed in the history of the world. And uh, what happened is he had literally conquered the known world of his day, and, and he had tried to bring, uh, actually we see uh, in the midst of some pretty tired, tyrannical things, he tried to bring justice and law and, and, and even culture. But what happened is he begins to meet a man named Daniel, and Daniel begins to teach him about the true and the living God. And, and he actually comes to understand who this God is. As a matter of fact, it appears that Nebuchadnezzar may have even seen Jesus uh, in a moment where he took uh, Daniel's friends Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and, and because he wanted to kill them because they wouldn't worship another God, he throws them into a fiery furnace, and he says he looked in, and while they were not heard, he actually saw one who looked like the Son of God. So that's how close he came to an interaction with Jesus. Jesus. But, but in the midst of this and, and not able to really grasp hold of how amazing God is, God reaches down and he literally gives him a dream. Now we're going to get into this more later. Job 33 says that God may speak to us in dreams. You may have had dreams from the Lord. 
Well, Nebuchadnezzar had one. And in the dream, God has a message for him. And it's this, if you will not humble yourself to me, if you will not turn and give me glory, that I'm gonna take away your sanity for a period of time. I'm gonna take away your comforts for a period of time. I am going to humble you to a place that you can't believe it. And God says this to him in the dream. I'm gonna protect your kingdom and you'll get it back, but I'm gonna put a band around you and tie you down. And he gives a specific period of time that you'll go through this. And Nebuchadnezzar begins to wonder what the dream means and he calls in everybody he can says, tell me there's something to this dream. I don't get it. I can't interpret it. And finally Daniel comes and Daniel hears the words of the dream and it says he stands horrified. Why? Because he loves this man. They're friends. And Daniel looks in this moment and he's thinking, no, no, no. This can't be what's going to happen to you. And Chapter nine, or chapter four, starting at verse 24, Daniel tries to get a message through to him. But I want you to really key on to how God's interacting between sovereignty and permission. And notice what it says here, Daniel 4, verse 24. It says, this is the interpretation, O king. And this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King, that you will be driven away from mankind and your dwelling place will be with the beasts of the field and you will be given grass to eat like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven and seven periods of time will pass over you until, now notice this, until you recognize the Most High as the ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. Now, now we're gonna read on in a moment, but I wanna remind you of a verse that's in Proverbs 21.1. It says, the king's heart is like channels of water in the hands of the Lord. God, he turns it wherever he wishes. And now what happens is God's looking down and saying to Nebuchadnezzar, you need to understand that I choose who reigns and I choose who goes down. I, it, it, you might think that you got this kingdom on your own, but if I hadn't permitted it, you wouldn't have it. God allows, we saw last week, nations to come into existence and he causes them to cease from existence. He causes them to have certain borders. And why does God do this according to Acts 17? He does it so that we might grope for him. Someone would look and say, well, Nebuchadnezzar was a pretty tyrannical man. Why would God allow him to rise up? Because it created a purifying of the Jewish people. It created more of a centering on them about the Lord. All of this God used. Now, now God doesn't cause all things. When a leader rises up and is evil and cruel, God allows that to happen, but he always creates good to come out of that. Some of it's the curse on the people for wanting a leader like that. Some of it is, is a curse on nation and God positioning things, and we can't always understand it in the moment, but what we can trust is what Romans 8.28 says, that God causes all things, whether leaders arise or not, whether countries arise and go down, God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him, and are called according to his purpose. This worked out amazing in the life of Daniel. Amazing the life of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. This particular ruler. But God looked at Nebuchadnezzar and said, it's time for you to learn a lesson. And you need to know that in the end, I hold this world accountable to me. Now, I want you to grab hold of this. When we begin to understand who God is, we need to very clearly understand that his great desire is to have a relationship with you as a father, as even an Abba father, a daddy. He wants you to love him. He wants, to be lo he wants you to let him love you. And he wants to be close. He wants it to be caring. But we can't forget in the midst of understanding that, that God also says, hey, I'm God. Uh, last week, in a very kind way, I had some people saying, wow, some of the verses you read bothered me. And I said, well, let me just say this as clearly, but yeah, as kindly as I can. 
God is God. And he, he's going to reveal who he is, and it's not up for vote. You know, God is who he is. And, and when we begin to understand his power, this, this understanding of this respect for him, this, this even fear for him, and the word fear is a reverent awe that we have for him because of how powerful he is, ought to be a part of our relationship with him. In the midst of that, we need to understand this incredible care he has. He's doing this to Nebuchadnezzar, are you ready? Because he cares for him. He's looking and saying, I've got to mold you here. I've got to chip away some of these things that aren't good in you. And there's so many reasons why he's doing this. But I want you to not miss this. In all the universe, as small as the earth is, in all of time where God says that we, our lives are but a puff of smoke that come and go, God looks down and says, I love this man, Nebuchadnezzar. And I'm about to do this for his good. And he's, he's going to learn a pretty tough lesson here. And, and so Daniel says, you need to know that God is the one who creates these kinds of things. There are certain things that you just can't get away that God's going to do. Uh, look what it says in verse 26. It says, and in that it was commanded to leave you the stump with the roots of the tree, your kingdom will be assured to you. In other words, I'm going to put you through this, but you're not going to lose your kingdom because I do want you to have it. And it says, after you recognize that it is heaven that rules. He said, you're going to get it all back when you finally understand the truth. When you finally grasp hold of what's real, you'll get everything. Now, now again, I want to say it, it's for all of us, we need to understand. When we understand that the life that you and I are meant to live is a life that, that we understand that heaven rules, that God rules, and we understand that we're wise when we throw ourselves, now I want to use this word clearly, completely into him. Uh, in a sold out way, we don't hold anything back. We agree we're going to live for him and with him. Then, then God says, when you choose to do that, because you have a choice whether you do or not, he says, then I am going to take you and I'm going to do things in your life that are incredible. And he says to Nebuchadnezzar, you got to understand that, that if you understand who I am, great things can happen for you. Now notice what's about to happen, verse 27. Therefore, Daniel says, this is what God said in his dream. I got some advice for you. Therefore, O king, may my advice be pleasing to you. Break away now from your sins by doing righteousness and from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor in case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. Now, now catch what's going on here. Daniel said, God just told you what he's going to do to you, but guess what? You have a choice. This, this time of being confronted by God. This time of God's chastisement and discipline that's about to happen to you. This consequence you're about to bear for pridefulness and not caring for people the way you should be in your leadership position. God's about to judge you. But he says you still could get out of it. You still don't have to have this happen. You can make a choice here. Because God's sovereignty says, Nebuchadnezzar, get your heart right. He says, I will either make it happen or you can choose for it to be correct. And then he uses a very interesting term there. He says, break away. Break away. Now, I got to be honest that I, I obviously, you know, with my educational level, have some, some minor understanding of the Hebrew, the Aramaic, and the Greek. I, I'm not a scholar by any means. But this is a word I've got. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I actually have the right pronunciation. You ready? It's a Hebrew word. And the word for break away from your sins, get ready for this. I think it's pretty interesting, is the word parak. Did you hear that? Parak. It's the idea of smashing. And the whole word even has that to it. Don't just stop sinning. It's parak it. Smash it. Obliterate sin from your life. 
Now, now you've got to grab hold of what this means. It means to break it and smash it in such a way you can't put it back together. Uh, years ago, my, my wife Pam started a collection of precious moment statues. She loved those little Jonathan David kind of characters, you know, with the big old heads and big eyes. And so when my kids, or our kids were little, I, I would bring them in the bedroom with Jonathan David statues and I would make up stories for them. And they would pick out which one they wanted that night and I would kind of come up with one on the moment, kind of an improv story time. And so I, I would be up there with them with these little big-headed, big-eyed little guys. By the way, I thought they were kind of evil looking. Not everyone agrees. See, I don't know about you. I, I hate the ride. It's a small world. I know some of you like it, but to me, it's like, you know, Twilight Zone, little big-headed things, yeah, and I just like, oh, you know. I mean, at Halloween, let's go on, it's a small world, but <laughs> has nothing to do with the sermon, but I really do hate it. <laughs> anyway, uh, and I know I'll get emails about this, but, you know, if you want to write me, it's Tony at Crossroads, you know, uh, <laughs> but here's the thing, is, is, Pam has these little precious MoMA statues. Well, her favorite, favorite one was an angel at the empty tomb. Little, little, cute, little angel guy. And, and so one day, I, Pam and I are talking, and we happen to walk by it, and I hit the counter, and its head just goes rolling off. And she's like, what? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And we pick it up, and it's busted. And we're like, oh. And, 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 and so the question is, who did it? So we call in the boys, and, and, and they were too young to lie. You know, didn't you love that stage in your kids' lives where you said, who broke it? And they go, we didn't do it. We go, look me in the eye. And okay, I did. You know, Tim, our, 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 our youngest son, who's now on staff here, oh, I broke it. I broke it. Now, by the way, when they get in junior high, you go, look me in the eye. You go, I didn't do it. You know, and uh, that's when they, you know, that's when they could be judged to hell. But anyway, uh, that's another sermon. But, but here's the point, is, is, is we looked at Tim and said, you did it? He goes, yeah, I decided to play army men. So he had his army men taking the empty tomb and hit the head and knocked it off. Now, now why I'm bringing this up is he broke it, but he did not parock it. If he had parocked it, he would have had to take it outside and taken a sledgehammer to that statue. See, this was somewhat fixable. We could put glue on it and put it back on. By the way, we didn't do it. Pam says that's a memory. So we have this little headless little statue as a memory. But, uh, uh, but the bottom line is to parack it, you destroy it completely. Now, now here's what I want to have you grab hold of. God looks at you and says, you've got these areas in your life that, that you may be going off course, these areas of sin. The word sin means to miss the mark. These areas of commission of sin where you're doing things you shouldn't do. But by far, most of us have areas of omission of sin. Uh, in other words, you say, well, no, 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 I'm not doing anything. And God goes, that's the whole thing. I have designed you. God, by the way, here's one. God says, I gave you a spiritual gift. Are you using it to minister to people? And if you're not, you're in sin and you're missing out. And it's like you're eating crackers on a boat, wondering why you don't have more joy. And God goes, I gave you this gift that when you use it, it causes joy to well up within you. And when you don't do that, you're in sin, God says. And there's a consequence to sin. One of our favorite passages comes out of Romans chapter 5 where it says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me, let me say that that is so true. When you get to heaven, God's not going to condemn you if you're a child. He's not out to get you. He's never been. But let me tell you what that verse doesn't say. It doesn't say there is no conviction for those who are in Christ Jesus. Matter of fact, if the Holy Spirit's in you, there is conviction. And, and when you begin to sin or you don't do what you should and you're in tune to the Holy Spirit, well, there's conviction that sets in. Let me tell you the next one. It doesn't say there is no consequence. 
Now, God, God will forgive and God will cleanse, but he's never said, I'll take away the consequence of it. And I've watched over the years as people go, okay, I know, if God's forgiven me, why am I going through this? And the answer is God loves you too much to let you just go through a life without consequence to your actions. And there's a consequence to Nebuchadnezzar's pride. There's a consequence to what's about to happen. And Daniel says, but you don't have to let this occur. You can break it off. You can stop it. You can change it. Now, I want to say that's for everybody here today. All of us have areas we struggle with. Some of you might have some hidden things that nobody else knows about, but God does. And maybe you're involved in something that you just say, well, you know, I, I've been wanting to stop. God says, here's how you stop it. Smash it so completely that you won't go back to it. Obliterate it from your life. Some of you, it's uncontrolled spending. And, and you just know in an economy like this that you should live on less than you make and, and, and not go out and, 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 and you find yourself, but if there's this covetous attitude and you says, oh, I, but I want this and I want this and, and I know in a, I should hold back and, 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 and you find yourself growing under or a, a burden of debt just weighing on you and you're saying, why, why, why? And by the way, for some of us, when the economy took a turn, we're like, oh, no, not now. I was just gonna get right. And God says, well, you, you know what? There's a consequence to that some of you by the way it's it's inappropriate relationships uh, and that could be in a variety of settings you could be a dating couple doing things you shouldn't do and you don't realize God doesn't want you to do that for a lot of reasons there are people all the time who say well you know we're going to get married someday but we'll go ahead and live together first and we know that the Bible says you need to keep the marriage bed with honor and you know what it, it, it there, there's a reason God says not to do this and you need to repent. You need to obliterate that completely. Uh, either by getting married, if that's what God's will is, or moving out. But you don't just go, well, you know, give me three months. No, you make a decision now. There are people who are married that are getting involved with other people, and they shouldn't be. And if you have to quit your job to get away from it, you know what? You go, well, Chuck, you don't understand. I could lose everything. I'm telling you, you're losing everything right now. And uh, I, I just need to really quickly say my, my heart is breaking over every time that comes our way. And we just know God has so much better. So much better for us if we grab hold of it. There are people here who are holding on to a grudge. You're angry at someone and you want them to pay and you can't look them in the eye. And, and God says, let go of that. And you go, no, 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 I can't stand them. And the Lord says, don't you realize there's this thing called the root of bitterness? Hebrews 12 says, beware of the root of bitterness. Because if I'm bitter at this person, guess what? It's going to affect every area of my life. You say, no, 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 no. It's just them. And I'm telling you, no, there's something that feeds into your soul that pollutes you. And it keeps you from love. It keeps you from forgiveness. It keeps you from cherishing the other relationships around you. It takes away great energy from your life that should be used for things because it takes a lot of energy to be grudgeful. It takes a lot of your, 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 your invigoration away from you when you tune into that. And uh, we need to be people who say, no, 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 I want to throw myself completely in the hands of God. I, I want to be completely his. And how do you do that? When you get uh, become aware of an area of sin in your life, you've got to destroy it. Here's the point. Get ready. It's your choice whether you do or not. It's your choice. Uh, this goes all the way back to the beginning of creation. Adam and Eve sinned, and they had two sons, and they appeared that they were twins, by the way. One uh, uh, was a huge, strong man named Cain. His name literally meant the begotten one. And it sounds like from the way you study scripture that his mom and dad thought, yeah, he's, he's the guy who's going to lead us back into the Garden of Eden. 
And they had another son named Abel, and his name meant frail and breathly. And uh, they looked at him, and, and, and I, I'm going to just give you a guess. Why would they name but a breath or frail or breathly? In other words, when he was born, maybe they didn't think he was going to make it. And, and so Cain ends up being a tiller of the ground, living after his father. And Abel ends up being someone who cares for the sheep. And uh, you know what? It didn't take any effort to do that. But it came to a time of worship. And Cain comes and he offers to God not an offering for sin. He comes and gives what's called the thanksgiving offering. Now, it's not wrong to give the thanksgiving offering. That's where you go to God. Because you bless me and you care about me and you love me, well, I just want to thank you for that. And I thank you for my, and we ought to do that. But they were not in that position. They were at a time where they were to go out to God and say, God, be merciful to us because we have sin in our life. And but Cain, by doing what he did, was literally saying, I don't have anything to say th- sorry for. I don't have an area I'm off base. Well, Abel comes and makes the offering of blood, looking one day to Jesus who would eventually forgive us of our sins. And he pleads with God for forgiveness. And he, he says, God, I know you love me, but I need this mercy. And, and it says that God respected and loved what Abel did, and he did not accept Cain. Now, I want you to grab that. There's a guy who shows up to a worship setting and God says, I'm not going to accept you today because you're not coming right. You're not coming right. Well, what happens is, is somehow this becomes very apparent and Cain is so upset and so angry. Rather than humbling himself, he gets mad at Abel for it. Have you noticed how many times in our life we blame other people for our problems? You know, by the way, whenever someone says, so-and-so made me, I always try to get them to put on the brakes and say, nobody makes you. you. You have a choice. I've watched it over and over. The, the young girl who says to me, you know what, the reason I am how I am today is because of how my dad was. And, and by the way, I, I'm thinking of some pretty horrific things. And he goes, that's why I am how I am. And I go, no, 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 it's not. You have a choice. Because I know another girl over here who's went through exactly what you went through. And she's loving and caring and vivacious. You've got a choice in this. And let me stop and stop right here and have you listen. Some of you would say, well, it's not that easy. I didn't say it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying you can. And if you go, no, I can't. Well, I want to tell you, God can help you. and He wants to. He can. And you know, while it might not seem easy, that's the best place to be because you can choose to parak that. You can choose to be away from that. That is God's permissive will to you. He will never, ever, ever let you be tempted beyond what you're able. You can always choose not to sin. That's God's sovereign will. That can never, ever change. So you and I have a choice in it. Well, well listen to what God says to Cain because this is one of those amazing moments in, in Scripture. Genesis chapter 4, verse 6. It says, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will, you not, uh, will your, not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, Sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. By the way, this passage is one that just grabbed the heart of a man named John Steinbeck and he ended up writing a whole novel out of it called East of Eden because on the east side of Eden, God ordained an option, a choice, an ability to choose for him or away from him, an ability to do right or do wrong. The words if Rung in the mind of John Steinbeck. Notice that again. Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, 
Will not your countenance be lifted up? You're looking mad. You're looking upset. But if you do the right thing, you're going to have rejoice. And, and you, you could choose that. It's right here for you, Cain. Why not take it? Did you notice that God didn't come and say, well, I ordained sovereignly you would burn in hell? He didn't do that, did he? He didn't come and say, it's part of my ordained will that you actually go and kill your brother. Because it wasn't. It wasn't God's will that that happened. Not everything that happens is God's will. What he did is says, here's my will. You have a choice. Cain, you can choose. And if you choose to do well, joy and amazing things are ready to take over your life. But if you don't do well, then it says this, sin is crouching at the door. Now, that picture is a mind-blowing picture to me. Think about it. God says that when sin is like hiding behind a doorway in a darkened room, ready when you finally walk in, not able to see and shut it, it leaps on you and tries to take you. And it's horrible. And it's, it's scary. And, and it's, it, it's, 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 it's sad what kind of tragedy can come as sin begins to take hold. And God says, it's there trying to grab you. And then he says, but guess what? You can master it. I'm telling you, you have a choice to sin or not. I'm telling you that when it tries to grab you, I will never let it be so powerful. You can't overcome it. I'm telling you, you have a choice. You have a choice. And, and, and every day, you and I get a chance to choose. Here's the question I want to ask you. Are you living that amazing life we talked about? Are you literally saying life is a, a, a perpetual feast? And while there might be some times that I have to struggle a little because that's God's will and trials I have to overcome and endure because the heroic life is the one I want, the bottom line is I wouldn't trade the life I have because it really is more incredible than I could ever ask or think or dream. Are you living that life? Because if not, that's the life God wants for you. If you're living the ordinary, boring life, you weren't made for that. You were made for the extraordinary life. You weren't made for the natural life. You were made for the supernatural life. God loves you so much, it says, that eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it ever entered into the greatest parts of our imagination what God has prepared for you. Now, I'm not saying every day, you know, every moment you're always sky high. That's not, God wants you to go through those moments of feeling in different ways. But I am saying it's incredible. And I'm telling you, he has it for you and he loves it for you and he wants it for you. And the question is, do we want to partake? And I think a lot of people are like a couple on a cruise ship hiding in their cabin eating crackers. And God says, do you realize what's waiting for you over here? There's duck. There's filet mignon. There's lobster and there's baked Alaska. And the last time I was on a cruise, I walked in and they said, your choice is duck, filet mignon, lobster. And I said, I want all three. And they said, okay. And I ate all three. <laughs> and then they brought out baked Alaska. I'd never had it before. And it's not one of my favorites. And I said, I love this. And they go, really? And I said, can I have another one? I ate three. <laughs> Some of you are going, Chuck, we're looking at you. Yeah, we could tell. But you know what I think about as a couple sitting in their cabin eating crackers when it's just waiting? And I think about how many people I talk to and I'm looking at them and I'm saying, I know, I know, I know, I know, because I've experienced it, but even more God's word says it. God has this for you. Are you ready to sell out completely? Are you ready to give yourself to him completely? And, and a lot of people are standing looking at the cruise ship saying, oh, I want to get on it one day. Just get on. Get, give yourself completely and choose, choose to master your life with his help. Today, if you're not living that amazing life with God, let me tell you, it's, 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 
It's simple in one sense about how you enter it. But I want to warn you, Jesus said it's the narrow way. And at times it calls for self-denial. But in the end, when you deny self, you end up in better shape. So when you say yes to God, it's got to be everything his way, everything for him. And some of you today, I want you to know you need this desperately because God says the beginning of the paracking of your sins, the beginning of smashing them is you just turning to me and saying, God, forgive me and I want everything to be yours. I'll just live for you. And if you want to do that, how do we do it? How do we enter this relationship? How do we begin this amazing life? How do we take hold of it? The answer is you pray. You talk to him. And in a moment, I'm going to pray. And then in the middle of the prayer time, I'm going to lead a prayer. And I'm going to stop and just just invite anybody here who wants to commit their life to the Lord. Or for some of you, you need to recommit your life back. You need to do what Cain needed. Cain knew the Lord. And God says, you can make the choice right here. Some of you need to come back to God. And, And how do you do it? Well, you whisper a prayer. And I'm going to pray a line of it and stop. And then I'm going to let you right where you're sitting whisper this prayer with me. That will be the beginning of what we're going to ask you to do. But if you want to be close to God today, you desire to be close to him today, or you desire to come back to him today, I'm going to ask that that you pray that prayer with me right where you're sitting. Let's pray together. Father, I know that you have created us with an intentional purpose. There really is an answer to the why. Why are there babies? Why is there life? Why are people created? It's because, God, you desire us to have a relationship with you. And you rejoice over what we can be. Father, I think about my grandchild that's growing and, and, and one day will be born in May. And Pam and I already have such hopes and such dreams and such plans to love on this child. And, and I know that Tim and Jill have the same thing in mind. And and, and we just are so excited about this new birth. And I know that you feel that way about every single person who's sitting in this room. You were so glad when they were conceived, so glad when they were born. God, you wanted to shower them with love. You want to guide them into character and, and molding, which sometimes means trials, but you have an amazing life for them to live. And you look now and you know what they could have if they choose it. May we all choose it wholeheartedly, passionately, completely. And Father, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would come in this room. Lord, I pray your Spirit would move and touch. And I pray that right now there would be people who would come to you or come back to you by committing their lives to you. Help them, Lord, we pray. For some, it means breaking away, smashing things in their life that shouldn't be there. But I pray it would happen now. And you would give them power, the strength. I pray for the man who's sitting here today that, Lord, he could be the great father and the great husband he needs to be. I pray he'd seize that now. And while he thinks there's no way to return, Lord, he can. I pray, Lord, for the woman here who's just been wounded. Father, she's had a betrayal after betrayal, and it was bad enough that it was men in her life, but it hurts even more that it's been some friends. And yet, God, you love her as a daughter, and this is her moment to come. I pray, Lord, for some couples here today who need to choose to live life your way because as a couple, you want to bless them, and and this could be their moment. So, Lord, we ask that every single person right now who needs to come to you would be able to come into the arms of love that you have for them. I want to ask that we keep praying. And if you're right with God, would you pray for anybody here who needs to make a decision right now? 
But today, if you, if you are not in an intimate relationship with the Lord and you're ready to commit your life to him or recommit, I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting to pray this prayer with me. But I'd like to ask, if you're going to pray this prayer, if you're going to whisper these words with me, would you let me know you're going to do it by lifting your hand in the air and looking at me? And then after that, you can put it down. Wow, praise the Lord. That is so awesome. Praise God for you, for you and for you. Wow, praise God for each one of you. And for you, praise the Lord. Wow. I know it's a big room, so I want to take a second. If I haven't seen you yet, go ahead and lift your hand where I can see you. I want to know who God's calling right now to join with us. Praise God. That is awesome. Wow. Praise the Lord. Praise God for you. And for you, right here, praise the Lord. And for you and you, praise God way up there. I love, wow. Praise the Lord for you. Wow. And for you here. Okay, all over the room, there are people, and, and I, right here, praise the Lord for you. Wow. And God's touching you. So I'm going to ask you, right, well, for you over here, praise God. For all of you, God knows who you are. He loves you. Let's just whisper this prayer to him. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me, and I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of my hurts to make me alive and to make me new and to draw me close to you. So I say yes. I want this. And I want to live the life you have for me. So help me be who you created me to be and help me live the life you have for me to live. I open my heart to you now. Please fill me with your love. Fill me with your spirit. I commit myself to you completely. In Jesus' name, amen.